Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. Denise Duffield-Thomas describes herself as a lazy introvert and an unbusy mother of three. She's also a millionaire. You may have heard of Denise before. She's a money mentor for what she describes as a new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She specifically helps women to charge premium prices, release the fear of money and actually create first class lives. It was earlier this year that I joined Denise and six other women from across the world at Denise's business retreat on her Rose Farm in New South Wales, because I believe that you put your money where you want to grow and you need to invest in opportunities to learn from the people who've been before you and have achieved what you're aiming for. So it was a real delight to catch up with Denise to record this episode and We discussed what it actually looks like and means to be a chillpreneur, how her business makes money and how much each year, plus the different breakdowns between her revenue streams, her advice for others to overcome money challenges and sabotages that we all have, and what she considers to be the key ingredients to being a chilled out millionaire. I hope you love this episode. And if you do, if you haven't already, would you leave a review? It would mean a lot if you could just take a few seconds to hit the five-star rating and to also write a review and leave your name. And you can leave your Instagram handle. It's about time I started reading out a few more reviews. So get yours in there and you'll hear your name on a future episode. Well, Denise, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Last time we saw each other, we were at my farm. I know, and I'm just about ready to come back again. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was such an amazing experience. So um, I'm sure others will be very, very keen to get themselves along there too. Denise, I love to start off hearing, I think it's so interesting what my guests are consuming at the minute, what they might be listening to or reading or watching. What does that look like for you at the minute? Well, it's actually got nothing to do with business. And I think that... um, That's kind of where I've been at the last couple of years is that I felt like I was a little bit full of business advice and I needed something outside of that. And, you know, for most of us, business stuff is quite simple, right? You know, it it is pretty simple. But I think for me, I was always trying to look for what, what was that next silver bullet? And I realized after a while that everything is pretty much the same and you just have to work on your your mindset and your joy. And so about three years ago, I noticed that I just didn't feel like reading a lot of business books. So that being said, that little intro. So I'm reading the Hannibal Lecter series. Ooh, that sounds heavy. <laughs> yes. So Red Dragon and then I'll, I'll follow that by Silence of the Lambs. And that's for me, it's just, again, a way of I don't know, just having something outside of work to, to think about. And then in my car, because it's I, I commute to the farm about three times a week, so I've got lots of car time, I listen to political podcasts. I listen to Pod Save America and um, The Daily Beans. Both of them are American um, politics, daily politics shows. And then what I'm watching, I'm watching um, a series called The Last Man on Earth, 
it was created about five years ago, but it was uh, it's about a virus in 2020 that wipes out <laughs> the whole population of the world except for a couple of people. And it's not scary. It's just like about the, about humans and human nature and how, you know, we're, we've all got our flaws and, and our humanness, even if like, you know, weird stuff's happening in the world. So yeah, three very different kind of flavors of things. <laughs> they definitely are. I listen to Pod Save America too. I like um, just something about listening to that and kind of hearing about American politics. And I think it's easy to get stuck in a bubble as well. And I can get easily just all consumed by my business. So it's, it's good to have that reminder about, gosh, what else is actually happening in the world? It is. And there is something related to my work around that because what I find now, now that I'm a grown up, I always thought politics was really boring and not applicable to my daily life, which is a lot of ton of privilege in that too, right? But now that I'm a quote unquote grown up, I see how much money influences politics and how we think, you know, that we live in a democracy where, oh, cool, you just vote and make things happen. There's actually a ton of influence that goes behind the scenes. And so for me, that makes me even more passionate about women having more money in the world and, you know, and, and more people using their money for good in the world. So that kind of listening to that fires me up because I go, oh, there's legal advocacy that you can do to change laws and that takes money. And so, yeah, it, it still kind of relates to what we're talking about, right? Growing our businesses, having more money and making the change in the world that you want to see. That's absolutely right. And that leads quite well as well to what I want to ask you today. And it's, I guess, comes from your latest book, Chillpreneur, which everyone should read. It's absolutely awesome. But you describe yourself and I guess the way that you are showcasing to other women what is possible to them is around the notion of being a chillpreneur. I'd love you to explain in in your own way what that actually means, what that looks like. Yeah, totally. So it was really influenced for me by um, reading books like The 4-Hour Workweek. It was the first business book that resonated with me, I think, because I'd been reading business and money books and personal development books since I was, since I was a teenager, but I just didn't feel like any of them were applicable to me and my goals and my or that it was even realistic for me. And so I read The 4-Hour Workweek um, in my mid-20s and that really sparked off a real desire to create a lifestyle business and also to redefine what wealth would look like to me. And so, but I will say this book was 100% inspired by one of Tim Ferriss's later books called Tools of Titans. A lot of the examples in there were very male-dominated examples and he does have women in in his books as examples, but someone called him out on it and he said, look, to be honest, like I am a guy and so my target market is a guy in lots of ways. And so I just thought, well, yeah, he can't write about being a parent and being a woman because he's not either of those things. And so I wanted to create kind of a four-hour workweek style book for my friends, (laughs) you know, friends of mine who, you know, didn't want to do business in a masculine way. And, you know, we're ambitious, but also wanted to go to yoga occasionally and, you know, and maybe have kids or people who had, you know, challenges that, that weren't able, you know, for them to, to create businesses. So, yeah, it was literally directly inspired by Tim's first book and then one of Tim's latest books. It's so funny. I've left um, the four-hour work week by 
Coden's, my partner's uh, bedside table, still hasn't opened it, but I'm like, you really need to read this, Coden. And we'll get to a few of the, I think the the incredible lessons and mantras and philosophies that you teach as well, because they're things that I start kind of just slipping out to Coden as well about there's easier ways to make money and, and this type of thing. I'd love to hear, because I assume you haven't always been such a chillpreneur when you started off in business. I know, and I think it's just so funny and interesting because you've had so many different kind of ventures along the way to get to where you are now with raw brides and and different things what has that journey looked like for you and how have you kind of how did you come to the realization that maybe it didn't have to be all about hustling totally so a chillpreneur is not someone who works on the beach you know in Bali a chillpreneur is someone who finds their path of least resistance And so even though I've always been really good at trying to find the shortcut or the hack, and I've always done this in jobs where I've always looked for, how can I complete my work in the shortest amount of time? But what I was missing, because a chillpreneur definitely is someone who does that, finds the path of least resistance, but being a chillpreneur and having a chillpreneur business is finding that mix of things that you love to do that are easy for you and that people will buy from you. And so that's what I was missing in my early days because I went, oh, I can see the hack in that. I can see the shortcut to that. People are doing that wrong. So therefore that has to be my business. Uh, You know, there's a problem that I can solve. Therefore that has to be my business. And the missing piece for me was really, really knowing myself and my strengths and what I loved to do. And, um, And I see that often in people's businesses that like they've got one of those pieces, you know, they're missing a few of the other ones to give themselves a really true chillpreneur business. And I, I still do this, by the way, I still often make things harder for myself because I think, oh, that's too easy. Nobody will pay for that. Like, that's just me being me. Like, that's not a saleable skill. And the truth is like, that's a true chillpreneur business, right? Find those things that you would do for free all day long and actually find the people who will, who will pay for that. And you'll both be happy, a total win-win business. So yeah, it was definitely a trial and error for me um, when I look at some of those early businesses where it was just like, oh, I could solve that problem. That's not enough. Because that's what we're taught sometimes too, that, oh, you know, if you see something that, if you see a problem, then like create the solution to it. But I think we can easily then start creating all these different things. And in your business, Denise, which is such an inspiration and I think is something that is pretty rare is that over the years, really, you've kind of scrapped and got rid of a lot of different elements in your business to now really have the one thing, the one core thing that you actually sell and promote. Can you explain what that looked like? And I guess, was it a scary thing for you to keep eliminating the different programs that you had? Yeah, it can be. So my mantra, which has served me incredibly well, made me millions of dollars, is all roads lead to boot camp. And that hasn't been easy because like a lot of entrepreneurs, of course I get tempted by shiny objects. Of course I get bored of things. Of course I want to try new things and have creativity. But that has been my guiding mantra. And it doesn't, it sounds restrictive, but it's actually not. So here's the beauty of it. I know that I can talk about anything I want. I can come on podcasts with lots of different topics, but all roads lead to bootcamp eventually, right? So as long as I can relate what I'm talking about to money, and this is one of my superpowers, by the way, I can stretch an analogy to like lead back to money and I can see the lessons in everything. 
So I can create lots of blog posts, lots of videos, do lots of interviews and explore a ton of different topics. Like already we've talked about politics and money and things like that, but I'm not experimenting in the back end. And I see that in the reverse for other people. They're constantly experimenting in the back end. They never even talk about it. They never even really get to market all of those things because they're spending their time going, well, I'm just going to tweak my course and, you know, make a perfect funnel before I launch it. You know, my book's almost ready, but it's not perfect yet. So I'll write another book instead. And they're just constantly making these things done here. So I'm not saying that life has to be boring and your business has to be boring. It's just there's something there about knowing where you can funnel people so they can give you money and you can help them. And I'm very clear how I can help people. And it makes it very easy for me to say no to things because I, you know, someone will go, hey, do you want to come and talk on my podcast about X, Y, Z? Absolutely. That's an easy yes. Or I had someone recently say, oh, I would love to collaborate on a course with you. I'm like, that's an easy no. <laughs> um, so does that make sense? It's like, it's just a really easy way. And, and you know what? I still have shiny object syndrome, but I'm, I'm not good at following through with that, which is why it's really good to be able to do things where I can just jump on a call with you and talk about stuff because I don't have to do the sales page for it. I don't have to do the tech. You do the tech. A one like all roads lead to is brilliant if you're a procrastinator, if you're a creative person, if you're a shiny object person. Because you only have to do it once. (laughs) You only have to create it once. And you don't have to worry about not being a follow-through person or a complete finisher. That's right. And I think as well, it's a discipline not to sabotage it when it's working. And I know that um, a lot of us can do this. It's like, oh, and like you were alluding to earlier, like, oh, hang on, but this is really easy. How can I make it harder for myself? And almost as though it's then that you'll deserve the money more or something. So I think there's a lot of discipline in not ruining something when when you've when it's working as well. Denise, I'd love you to give an overview to people exactly, I guess, actually what is involved in your business, what it looks like, and also the revenue that it brings in too. I think something that I'm pretty passionate about is showing what is possible. And it's thanks to, I just actually recorded an Instagram story and I said that you're one of the biggest role models. And I love the fact that you Uh, pretty open about what your business is doing and how much you are making. And I think in doing that, it actually shows other people, for instance, myself, what is possible. So I'd love for you to share. My philosophy around talking about money is very much guided by one of my money mentors, Kendall Summerhawk. She says that talking about money should be as natural and easy as asking someone to pass you the salt. So it's like, hey, Denise, pass me the salt. Sure thing. So the reason why I talk about it is because money doesn't make you a good or bad person, right? So I don't feel bad about saying how much money I make because I know there are people who make less money than me. There are people who make more money than me. And it just is what it is, right? It doesn't make me smarter than anyone else. It doesn't make me, you know, greedy. It doesn't make, it's just, it's very, very neutral. So um, for the last couple of years, probably for the last three years, we've been around the $3 million mark in the business. And I totally see that as a, um, a plateau, that I've hit, which sounds like it's like, it's a good problem to have, but it is totally true. So what we have been focusing on is increasing our profitability around that. Because again, when you have a pretty simple business, you can really start to streamline costs and to make sure that you're, you know, being smart about how you, you spend your money, for example. So about a million and a half comes from money bootcamp every year. 
About a million comes from affiliate promotions that we do. So we do a couple of um, big affiliate promotions where we put, like, we treat it like a launch for us. And you guys have won that. I know you've won like the affiliate. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So if there's, you know, like a, a big affiliate um, competition, like we'll put everything in to kind of win it. And for three years in a row, we have won a big affiliate competition, which is super, super fun. But um, we treat that like a launch. Like that doesn't just happen where we're just like, here's a link. You know, we choose people that is a really great compliment to our work that um, we know people are in high integrity. And then we put a ton of ad spend behind doing our affiliate stuff too. So, you know, that, as I said, that makes us, you know, probably about, you know, a million 1.2 and then like it's 1.5-ish for our money boot camp. And then it's miscellaneous. So I make about $30,000 a year from my books, which is why I always say to people, a book is great, but a book is a business card for the rest of your your work. You know, a, a book doesn't necessarily make you a million dollars. And yes, there are outliers in that. But for me, I just see my book as just a really beautiful taster out in the world that people can, um, you know, read and love. And then they can come because all roads lead to boot camp, right? And then I probably do a very, like, just teeny tiny little things here and there. Like occasionally I'll do some speaking engagements, but not a ton because it's... um doesn't work with having young kids and, you know, a few little bits and pieces here and there. Is there kind of advice for other people who are looking or maybe getting distracted with creating new programs and new programs and new programs as to how they can create just one offer that can serve enough people that it is going to be perhaps a million dollar offer? Sometimes you're doing that because you haven't found your thing yet, right? And that's totally okay. So if you're listening and you think, oh, I don't know if this is my thing, but Denise said, I have to have one program. Don't feel like you're stuck in something just because you started it. And there's that sunk cost fallacy, right? It's like, well, I've got a, I've got a website for it now and I've got a sales page and I paid for graphics. And it's like, yeah, but if that's not your thing, that's okay to ditch it, to do something that your heart really wants, right? So it did take me a little bit of trial and error around that and that's okay. So it's okay to tweak and change. It's also okay to tweak little things around it. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So for example, you might realize that, you know, groups aren't your thing and that's okay. Or you might realize that Facebook isn't your thing. Or you might, for me, I I used to run money bootcamp like once a year and then there was heaps of demand for it. So I was running out like four times a year and I was getting really burnt out with that. And so I was like, oh, well, how about I run it all year round, but I'll just do a monthly call. And so I've experimented with, you know, launch model, with evergreen, with live rounds, with no live rounds, with now my experiment for this year is the monthly calls. I had started off answering every single question from everybody and like people were tagging me on Christmas day. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, let's take holidays. Like we'll close down the group at Christmas. And then this year I experimented with bringing in a community manager to help me manage the group. So even though I'm saying, try and find you one thing, you're not stuck with how you deliver that one thing. You know, it's still going to be around how you like to show up for your people, um, what feels good to you, what feels sustainable to you. And that is totally trial and error, right? There's something actually really beautiful in in shutting things down too and going, this isn't my, or it was my thing, but it's no longer my thing. And just going, I am complete with that thing. 
<laughs> you have permission, but there's just something there sometimes about like feeling like, well, my people want this, so I have to give it to them, even if it makes you feel resentful as heck to do it. And so, yeah, I've, I've had my money boot camp for eight years, but it's evolved. It's evolved and shifted and changed based on not necessarily what people were asking for, but what was f- sustainable for me to deliver. Because if I'm the one that's getting burnt out and resentful, it's not going to be around forever. So like I always say to people, you can only offer what you can offer. So do that, double down on it, and then find the people who will be served by that. Mm, it's great advice. And I think um, instead of scrapping it, creating something new, scrapping it, thinking, okay, I have to do something new. It's actually, well, maybe we can just make that one thing, try different things with it and make that even, even better. Or if it's no longer serving you, it's okay. And you can move on. Even if you've, you know, got the branding, the website, it's okay. Denise, I'd love you to share a couple of the biggest, I guess, challenges that you see in your community. You've got several thousand women, so I'm sure you see a few common challenges come up when it comes to making money, especially as business women as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing is um, everybody's individual relationship to the concept of working hard for your money because everyone has their own personal one depending on a lot of factors really, like how they grew up, right? Because you could have grown up in a poor family and have this sense that, you know, it doesn't count unless I'm working three jobs and earning hardly anything and really working physically hard for my money. But you could have grown up rich and seen like your dad, for example, you might've had a lawyer dad who billed a hundred hours a week and you never saw him. So he has this story that he's perpetuated about, well, you have to, you have to work really hard if you want nice things in life, you know? And so we're also born into cultures that perpetuate that. So if you're born in America, there's a real hustle culture in America and, you know, ambition and working really hard. If you're born in Australia, it's like you want to have a good life, but actually you're not really supposed to show ambition for it or wanting it too much. It, you might have grown up like in the UK and that it could be quite impolite to talk about money. And so there's cultures within cultures. You might have heard stories about women and women aren't allowed to be too ambitious or, you know, women aren't supposed to be the breadwinners. So we've all got our own kind of individual relationship with that. But also for most of us listening, we are we have been born into a time where the concept of entrepreneurship has shifted incredibly quickly in our lifetime. So when you and I, um, well, you're, you're younger than me, but like when I was born, being an entrepreneur meant creating something, making something and selling it in a really hands-on way. And so even the concept of outsourcing things um, to manufacturing or drop shipping or things like that was just so out of the realm of possibility for an individual to be able to sell something that they've never even touched, let alone sell information. Like that just did not exist except for books, physical books even, you know, and so you had to get a publisher to believe in you to publish a book that they had to print copies of. And I probably the self-publishing thing came in you know, say 10, 15 years ago, where it really started to become a thing that was accessible for entrepreneurs, but they had to buy like a thousand copies of their book and then post them themselves, right? (laughs) And so that all sounds amazing because it is. I mean, even the fact that we are talking on a very low cost platform, um, Zoom, like we live in the same country, but I have calls every week from people from 
the other side of the world. The fact that we can be doing this and creating a podcast was not a job 15 years ago, 20 years ago. It just wasn't a thing. So that all sounds great and it's an amazing opportunity for us, but it goes against the concept of hard work that we have all been born into. And so that's where you see entrepreneurs sabotage themselves because there's something there about it not being a real job and not being a real way to make money. Your family might have even said that to you. You know, what is your job? Like you can just talk to people and get paid for it? That doesn't sound right. Or like, well, how are you consulting people on business? Do you have an MBA? Are you a, you know, are you a professor in entrepreneurship? Not realizing that actually, you know, you can take a course now a six-week course that teaches you more than a three-year university business degree, which is what I I did. I did um, like a marketing degree that taught me nothing useful about running a business. So can you see how that like actually just brings up some conflicting weird feelings for people? Because it just doesn't feel right. Whereas kids who are born today, like my kids, they were like, mommy, are you going for your meeting now? They they totally get the concept that I sit in my office and talk to people all day and make money from it. That's what they're born into. <laughs> and they, they're born into the concept of people, kids on YouTube, making money from unboxing toys. Like that's totally normal for them. But for our generation of entrepreneurs, it's weird and foreign and, and feels weird. It does. I was sitting on the couch last night and um, checked my Stripe and I'm like, Coden, I just made $2,000. Someone joined my program sitting on the couch watching TV. It's And I'm like, Coden, this is ridiculous. Like this, we have such an opportunity. And I find, and I think often it's just that, that mindset kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you got to have the strategies and you got to have the great offers, but so much of it is the money mindset and actually like just breaking down all these things that are getting in our way. So I think that's why your work is so, so powerful. Last question for you, Denise, is are there any key, I guess, ingredients or key characteristics or behaviors of people and and yourself and your friends and people that you see doing incredibly well, but also I, something that's important to me is having a pretty chilled lifestyle, but are there any key ingredients to those that have created their own million dollar business that you can share? Yes. Well, what the cool thing is now that I have a ton of friends who are millionaires who are just normal everyday chicks, you know, some have got kids, some don't, they're all different ages. They're all different body types. They're all different, you know, nationalities. And what's so cool about that is they have shown me that there is no one single ingredient except I guess persistence, right? And persistence doesn't have to be like hustling because I'm not that person, but it's really honoring who they are and their own personality because any personality type can make money if they honor who they really are and and honor what is unique and beautiful about them and give themselves permission to prosper from that. So I know for me, it's been my consistency that has done it. For other people, it's been their creativity or their giving heart or their like ability to persist through technology changes or anything like that. But really what it comes down to is that each of them created something that people wanted and they offered it to people and they received the money in return for it. (laughs) And I think that's in um, one of your books or more of your books and you talk about like the way to make money is like 
what is it? It's like put your offer out there and, and offer it to people type of thing. Yeah, share what you know and make offers. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, I say, really good at the first part, right? They they create resources and podcasts and blogs and, you know, freebies and great social media content. And that's great, but there's never any offer behind that. And people will consume that and they will love you and you will get, you know, likes and hearts and thumbs ups on your videos and all of those things. But if you don't have a way to help people and for them to give you money, then you won't have a business. Okay. So share what you know, be generous and make offers, which is also a way of being generous because you're helping people take that next step in whatever it is that you help them with, you know, to make money themselves, to get healthier, to live a a better life, to create abundance for themselves, to create more pleasure in their life. Um, And so, you know, both of those things work so well, but it is super simple. Share what you know, make offers. And we just bloody sometimes overcomplicate it. So it's so good to have the reminder. Denise, thank you so much for chatting with me. I've loved hearing from you directly again. Could you let us know where we can find you? Where can everyone go to um, just get more from you, more of your amazing work? Yeah. So if anyone's listening on their phone or their laptop, just go straight away to Instagram. Um, I'm at Denise DT. Um, Denise DT. That's also my website, DeniseDT.com. If you're listening in the car, don't do that until you pull over. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love uh, I love hearing people's ahas from these interviews. I love when people share um, pictures of my books that they're listening to. I especially love um, pictures of people highlighting books and things like that. That really makes my day. But I'm super easy to find and I create resources for you to help make more money. That's it, to release your money blocks and live a first-class life. Thank you. Thanks so much, Denise. Thanks, honey. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.